When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Monday. Lightning bets coming up about 40 minutes right now. We're going to go out to the Roman guest line. Aaron Torrey is going to join us here from Aaron Torrey's Media, Fox Sports Radio. He's a college basketball guy. He's going to join us to talk about the NBA draft, which is Thursday night. He's on the Roman guest line with us right now. Aaron uh, excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. We, we've been talking for a couple of weeks now about this draft and what's going to happen at number one. The betting market seems to say it's probably going to be Jabari Smith. That's what the NBA insiders are saying. But that Chet Holmgren name still lingers out there with the connections to to guys that are kind of like Holmgren with the length, um, with the people in the Orlando front office. What's your best guess? And if you were in charge of the Magic at one, which player would you take? Well, first of all, guys, thank you for having me. Um, you know, my best guess is to just follow, you know, like you guys said, what the betting markets say and what all the NBA insiders say and, and, and probably guess that Jabari Smith would be the guy. Um, you know, I think he's kind of the best of both worlds where I don't think he's quite as ready as, as Paolo Bancaro is, but I don't think he's the long-term play that Chet Holmgren is. And obviously, if you're the Orlando Magic, uh, you know, you need guys that can contribute right away because unlike Oklahoma City, unlike Houston, who are very much still in the middle to the beginning stages of a rebuild, the Orlando Magic haven't won a playoff series since 2010. So my gut tells me Jabari Smith, but I'll be honest, if, if it was me picking, I'd go with Paulo Bancaro. Um, long story short, I'll try to keep this brief, but, you know, I, I first time I ever saw Paulo, he was a sophomore in high school, was a lo- really more of a low post player than anything and really used kind of the time during COVID to, to kind of expand his game, turn into the player that we saw at Duke this past season. And I, I think he can step in and, and, and play right away. I understand the upside of the other two top prospects and really even the upside of, of Jaden Ivey as well, who I don't think is necessarily in play at number one. That's what I would do. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know this. Orlando has not called me to consult me. And so uh, because of it, I think Jabari Smith ends up being number one on Thursday night. Ben Carroll, uh, the large, large favorite to go number three overall. And that seems to make sense. If it is Jabari one, most expect home. Expect Holmgren to go two, even though that might be more up in the air. Uh, Bancaro three, Jaden Ivey four is a heavy favorite. Maybe you disagree with some of those. Where do you think the draft starts? We always have that conversation. If it's true that it ends up being Jabari Smith, where's the, the first real intriguing selection? I think the first intriguing selection is at one because I don't believe that there is the definitive best player. And, and the one thing I will say, even if I think it'll ultimately be Jabari, you know, the one thing about the draft process, it really isn't until these final few days that the top prospects, you know, Jabari Smith knows he's really only in play one, maybe two spots. He was in Oklahoma city last week. Um, you know, kind of the same with Chet, kind of the same with Paolo where I I know this process has been going on for a while. I know that, you know, if you're picking 24, you've had in a million guys to work out, but I don't think it's like a a done deal 
that Orlando takes him at number one. And if they don't, if they take, say, Chet Holmgren, how does that change the dynamic for Oklahoma City? Um, And then from there, I I just think, you know, I I guess what I would say is I don't think there's that clear definitive, there's no doubt, number one, like Zion the year that he came out, even like Cade Cunningham last year. So I I don't think it's a a done deal that Jabari Smith is definitively number one pick. So I think the draft starts there. Um, But then there's a couple other interesting inflection points. You know, I think – at three, the Rockets are just trying to get, you know, people that they think are going to be productive NBA players. Um, and I still think they're very much in the get the best player, don't worry about position situation. And so do they deem that that could be Jaden Ivey? Do they deem that that could be uh, Paolo Bancaro or somebody else if they're if they're still available? And then I think at number four with Sacramento is just fascinating because they, you know, I've talked to some of their beat writers and people who cover them daily. They basically have a, you need to make the playoffs next year or everybody's out of here, uh, you know, kind of edict from ownership. And so, you know, Jaden Ivey probably will be available at four, but you have De'Aaron Fox. And so does that mean that you go with Keegan Murray from Iowa, who probably fits a slot that you need next season? Do you go with Jaden Ivey? Do you go with one of the other three if they fall? I still think number one's up in the air, but I think four is really where this draft could go in a lot of different directions. You mentioned Keegan Murray. Um, You can also bet on his draft position. It's at five and a half. Um, what would you do there? Or is that just a stay away? I'd probably lean stay away, but I mean, depending on, on where the money's coming in, I would, I would probably take, I guess it would be the over on that because I don't know, you know, Keegan Murray, I I think we all enjoyed watching him in Iowa. I do guess that he's probably going to be more of a long-term role player. And so again, if, if you, it, I think I don't think he's in play in the first three. I don't necessarily feel like he would be in play at five. So it really comes down to if you believe that the Sacramento Kings are in, get the player that fits the pieces that we already have, or are they still in get the best player available possible? So that's one where I would probably lean, and, and I don't think it's that Keegan Murray's a bad player. I just think it's that, again, you're you're in a situation where, number one, it feels like it's down to one of two, maybe three guys two and three, they're just going to take the best player available. Um, you know, and, and, and five, I, I think they're still in best player available mode as long as that player, uh, you know, probably isn't a, a playmaker like Kate Cunningham. So, I, like I said, I think Sacramento is, is the spot where this draft gets interesting. And again, with Keegan Murray, I think if, you're, if the over-under is set at five and a half, I think you said, um, you know, my guess is that he's really only in play for one of those teams. And, uh, you know, I would probably lean to take the over there. Aaron, Jaden is a guy I'm really interested in this draft. I, I think he could end up as the best player in this draft. I, I just I always lean towards the guard, explosive guards over bigger players. Um, how good do you think he could be? And where do you kind of look at him in this draft in terms of where he could land? Because he's interesting. As I could see him going four or five, maybe a little bit after that. Your thoughts on Jaden Ivey and, and uh, his projection in this draft? I think he might be, you know, the most intriguing player. Um and myself and, and you guys, producer Zach, have talked a ton about this guy. And, and, and I, you know, I've kind of, as the draft process has gone on, maybe it's just, you know, the, the nature of it. I think I'm a little warmer on him than I was maybe, you know, shortly thereafter the season. I mean, you watch the NCAA tournament. You know, we know this guy's going to be a top five pick. You're playing St. Peter's. You're, you're playing to go to an Elite Eight. Your school hasn't been to a Final Four since 1980. And you have a path through a 15 seed. And I was really disappointed 
that he didn't elevate his game in that moment. It was actually one of his worst college games. But I look at a couple things with him is that one, like you said, just the explosiveness is just insane. And the athleticism is insane. And like, it's the most obvious cliche in the world. Like you can't teach the natural gifts that he has. And he's a good basketball player too, over 40% from three, all that. You can't teach the natural gifts that he has. Um, And then two, like I will say, the more that I've thought about this, um, was Purdue the right spot for him? Like, like you know, they, they, for people who don't know, they they have a, they had a seven foot three center Zach Eady. Um, they had a, a, a at times played two bigs, which is kind of like you know we all know it's like nineteen eighties basketball. And I, I I don't know that their coach Matt Painter really knew what to do with a player of Jaden Ivey's skill set. And I guess they you know it, it was one of those like let me put it this way is I think that they stuck to the system that they run. They, they traditionally run rather than using the personnel that they had in the best way that they possibly could. And so I could see the scenario where you get Jaden Ivey in the, the spacing in the open floor of the NBA. There's not really as many traditional bigs in this sport anymore. And I could see him thriving. So he's one that I do feel like, um, you know, I've, I've gotten a little hotter on here over the last probably week or so. Uh, and I would also say, you know, it, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not sold that again, for the third, fourth time that we've mentioned it, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City and Houston are very much in get the best player available, the guy that you believe has the highest upside. Don't worry about next year. Worry about the next five to six years. And I think Jaden Ivey could be that guy at either two or three for Oklahoma City and Houston. And then if not, it gets really interesting with Sacramento. Aaron, I know you pay attention to the betting market. So once you start to do uh, overs and unders, Ivy, Murray, Matherin, that's where it starts in that four and a half to six and a half range. Uh, and if you want to go further down the board, please, please do. But any specific overs or unders that stand out? So I don't know if this guy's on the board. Um, I'll give you a very obscure name mm-hmm. that I have heard a lot about over the last couple days. And if you remember last year in the draft, Josh Primo was, I think most people project him as a second round pick and he went 12 overall to San Antonio. And I've gotten some vibes on this guy over the last week or so. Uh, that's Dalen Terry from Arizona. And I, I don't even know if he's on the betting boards right now. I think he's projected somewhere between, you know, probably 20 to the first few picks of the second round. But I was at a, an event a few weeks ago and I talked to some people close to him and, and it wasn't a situation where I thought that they were trying to sell me on why people should take Dale and Terry. But I was told this, this exact quote, Dale and Terry could shock the world on draft night. Um, and let me explain why. First of all, the athleticism is off the charts. Uh, six foot seven, big guard. You just mentioned Ben Matherin, and you mentioned, you know, Ben Matherin was phenomenal. And so Dale and Terry, I think, got a little bit lost in the shuffle behind him. But I think what NBA teams like is once you get past those first couple picks, you're not trying to draft superstars. You're trying to draft guys that fit roles, that, that, that play a part, right? And we're coming off this NBA Finals where you had so many players just – you know, to, to, to quote Bill Belichick, right, you know, star in your role. That was what Andrew Wiggins did in the finals. That was what Gary Payton did in the finals. That was what, um, you know, Robert Williams did in the finals. And so Dale and Terry was a guy that played a role at Arizona last year and played it really well. And I think he's intriguing to teams because of the measurables, because of the um, the tangible things, but also because this is a guy that is very comfortable being in a role. You don't have to 
run plays for him. You don't have to feature him offensively, but then he is an elite defender. He has elite athleticism. And so, like I said, I, I've seen him on draft boards anywhere from like 20 to the early part of the second round. And if that kid went, you know, 12, 13 overall to a fringe playoff team that feels like they just need an extra piece for next year, it wouldn't surprise me at all. What about another um, over-under, Johnny Davis? So his is at 10.5. Would you go over or under with him? So, you know, my, my hot take on Johnny Davis is it's it, it sounds so dumb when you just say it, but, like, I do think him being hurt late in the year is hurting him at draft time. And what I mean by that is it's dumb because – NBA teams start evaluating a lot of these kids at, at really 15, 16 years old. And, and so the last four games of your career shouldn't matter, but he is one that I feel like if he was fully healthy in the NCAA tournament, you know, he had a great uh, regular season. We were talking about him as a potential national player of the year, along with Oscar Sheboy from Kentucky. And then, you know, you, you, you go through the season right before the NCAA tournament gets a pretty bad, I believe it was an ankle injury, misses the final regular season game, gets knocked out early in the conference tournament, and then gets, gets knocked out early in the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, when it comes to draft night, I, I think 10.5 probably feels like the right number. I just think it's really interesting that if he had been fully healthy in the NCAA tournament, I don't know that we're talking about him one through three, but I do think we are probably talking about him in that next tier with Keegan Murray, with maybe Jaden Ivey, if you deem him more second tier than first tier, with Shaden Sharp, who you know is, is kind of the buzz of the draft. So Johnny Davis, to me, is interesting. I, I think the number feels about right. I would probably lean, probably lean over um, just because there's so many other really good wings in this draft with Matherin, who we just mentioned, you know, Shaden Sharp, who kind of has some of those skills. But I do think he's a guy that just got hurt early NCAA tournament exit, wasn't healthy at the end of the year. And I wish America had gotten to see him because I think he'd be a guy that we were probably talking more 5 to 10 rather than 10 to 15 if he had been fully healthy. Aaron, you mentioned Shaden Sharp there. What do you know about him? What have you heard about him? I feel like he's the ultimate wild card in this draft. I mean, he's recruited by Kentucky. If you're a guard at Kentucky, you usually turn out pretty good. If he had played at Kentucky, maybe we're talking about him more. But he's still seemingly in that mix, top 10-ish, top 5-ish. What, what have you heard on Shaden Sharp, and, and where do you think he might land here? It's fascinating because it, it's kind of you know all the cliches that we talk about in sports where – I'll tell you, you know, I have talked to NBA teams and they have questions just like we do. And I think a lot of their questions are a lot of the same questions that, um, you know, fans have, Kentucky fans have, which is what happened in Kentucky? And, and, and I, you know, this is what I, I've said about Shaden Sharp is that if I was a GM or a player personnel guy and I had him behind closed doors, my number one question would be, I need to hear from you what happened at Kentucky. Was it John Calipari's decision? Was it the adults and the agents in your life's decision? Was it your decision? If it was your decision, why didn't you play? If it wasn't your decision, why did you let other people make the decision for you? Um, and, and I do think those are questions that NBA teams have real concerns about. And it sounds cliche, but competitiveness is a trait, is a feature. And this was a guy that when we did see him in high school kind of had an on-off switch where He'd take plays off. He'd take possessions off. He'd take games off. And so, you know, I, I, I think that all of that is true. I also do think it's only going to take one team to, 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 to see the potential in him. And maybe it's kind of 
Detroit where they already kind of have an established lead guard and he can play off of Cade Cunningham. Maybe it's New Orleans, which obviously is coming off a playoff berth and doesn't necessarily need a ton of help right now in the immediate. Maybe it's somebody later. But but he's one, you know, from a betting perspective, I wouldn't feel comfortable drafting because – Aaron Torres there on the Roman guest. I get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED. GetRoma.com slash BeckQL. Game three, Stanley Cup final. Is this thing over? We'll talk about it on the other side right here on the BeckQL Network.